Ah, yes. Welcome to another edition of MLB Morning Coffee. Greg Mraz here from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. And we are pleased to be joined for our coffee conversation today. He is a relief pitcher in the Texas Rangers organization. He made his big league debut last year. Joining us from Houston, Texas, it is Ian Jabot. Ian, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, Greg. Thank you for having me. Uh, excited to be on with you and talk some baseball and drink some coffee. Hey, I uh, I got a I got a cup right here. And uh, what's your preferred go-to coffee? You're a Starbucks guy, Dunkin' Donuts guy. Is there a, a chain down in Houston that's uh, that's your favorite? What what's your go-to for coffee? I mean, Starbucks is always the the quick and easy easy fix. Uh, there's a lot of good coffee coffee shops down here in Houston though that. Uh, some you know, my buddies go to, and then I've been to a few times. Uh, one, one called Blacksmith. It's pretty good. And I think Hunter Pence actually has one. Um, Coral Sword. He owns a coffee shop down here that I haven't yet yet checked out yet. But I'll, hopefully, once this lockdown blows over, I'll be able to check it out. Yeah. So let me take you to spring training. This is your first full spring training with the Rangers because you were drafted and you came up in the Rays organization. I know that your guys' complex is in surprise because I worked in the Royals organization for a year, and I know that a lot of those guys were told to go home. What was the situation like? I know Luke, when he came on our coffee conversations, gave me what they told you guys to do, but what was the experience like for you knowing that everything was going to get shut down? It was a bummer. For sure, when you when you heard, first heard it and found out, I mean, no one wants to hear that. But uh, I mean, it was it was a scramble. I mean, no one really knew what was going on. Um, I kind of just chilled for a, little, a few days and kind of assessed the situation and see what was going on. Um, and then by the time that they kind of shut the complex down and started sending kind of the younger guys home, um, I figured this. This thing was going to take a pretty serious turn, and it was time to drive on Houston. Yeah, I figure you probably have a good backup plan in place for any of those scenarios. I know that for one of my former minor league teams, one of the guys on that team, Ryan O'Hearn, basically had a backup place at his home in Dallas that he said that he was going to go to if any of this happened, and that's what he ended up doing. So knowing that you play for a team in the state of Texas and being able to come home if things do get started again, and even if you do end up in AAA, your affiliate's in Nashville, which is not that far. So it seems like you've got a couple of pretty good options if and when the season does get back going again. For sure. I mean, I'm not too far away. And uh, even they've talked about doing the whole Florida and Arizona thing. And Arizona's not too far. And again, Nashville's not very far. So they've, they've, they've discussed a lot of, a lot of options for sure. So you went to college at Tulane. What was behind your decision to go there? Obviously pretty close to home for you, being that Louisiana is just a stone's throw away from Houston. But what was the decision like to go to college at Tulane? I mean, it was one, it was the only out-of-state school that was recruited me. Um, so I was looking at Sam Houston State, Houston, like U of H, um, and Rice. And Rice was kind of always like, a dream school for me to go to. Like I grew up in the backyard of it, grew up as a little kid going to the games. Um, 
But my mom's my mom's family's from Lafayette, so we have ties in Louisiana, and we always go there. And it's, I've always loved it. Uh, so my family's over there, and I just went and took a visit uh, with one of my good friends that I grew up with. He was a freshman at Tulane at the time, um, and I just fell in love with it on the visit. It was a blast. I ate some great food. I loved the coaches there. Uh, and it was it was phenomenal. Wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. And you had a pretty darn good career at Tulane. You were a reliever all of your years. You actually made one start your junior season. And your sophomore year in 2014, I've got your college stats pulled up. You had a rough year because you got injured, I assume. You only pitched in 10 games, but you had a 1-4-6 ERA. You go to the Cape League, you play with Hyannis, and you dominate. What was it like for you being able to go to a summer league in a year where you know scouts are going to be looking at you and put up the type of performance that you did. I don't have your numbers in front of me, but all I knew is that whenever Katuit faced Hyannis and Ian Jabot was coming in, it was game over. You know, the Cape, the Cape's a special league. It, it was, I had a blast there. And you playing on like the high school fields, it really, it almost relaxes the game to where you don't, you feel like you're playing a pickup game with your friends, except it's, top prospects that are going into this next year's draft. Um, so, I mean, I think that really helped. Uh, and just, just having fun with the guys that were on the team. And you meet some really cool guys from different colleges. And then you run into them and pro ball again. It's, it's a really fun experience. I enjoyed every second of it. Who was your toughest at bat in the Cape League? Because there's a lot of guys that have played, at least I was in the Cape League in 2013 and 2014, and there's already a lot of guys that I had on my teams and that I saw play against our teams that have already made the big leagues. So who was the toughest at bat that you had to face there? And I assume somebody that has potentially already made the bigs. One that really stands out that I still remember uh, was Ian Hack. He was, he's a tough out, I always thought. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he shot through the minor leagues pretty quick. But he was, he was, he definitely stood out uh, in that summer league. A two-year Harwich Mariner. I always remember him hitting at the top of the order for Harwich each of those two years. And, and he certainly was as tough an out as anybody. So let's go to the draft process. You have a good junior year at Tulane. For those that don't know, it is much more advantageous for a player to only go to college for three years because they have a lot more leverage in the draft into in their junior year than they do their senior year so you go into that junior year you pitch well and you expect that you're going to get drafted you're taken in the 11th round by the Tampa Bay Rays who are one of the best organizations for developing young pitching what was the process like for you did you have an agent that was able to help you out and what eventually went behind your decision to sign instead of returning for your senior year you know, yeah, my agent helped out a lot, Brody Schofield. I'm still with him to this day. Um, he's been awesome to me. He's been phenomenal doing his job. I've had a complaint with him at all. Um, but, yeah, the draft, it was it was a whirlwind for sure. I mean, you hear all sorts of things, and this scout telling you this, this scout telling you that. And so you, you start formulating things in your idea, and you either can be let down or – you can be super happy, I guess. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I was super, super happy to get picked up by the Rays. I mean, I enjoyed every second that I was with them. Uh, it was, I learned a lot. I feel like I developed a lot of the pitcher through that organization. As you said, they're one of the best. And I believe that also. Um, but yeah, it was, it was overall, it was definitely a fun process. I would say it was an exciting time. We're here with Ian Jabot, Texas Rangers reliever on MLB Morning Coffee. Ian, I'm looking at your minor league stats, and everywhere that you went, you pitched well. So you start off in the Appy League in 2015. You make 12 appearances there, which is pretty typical for most short-season leagues. They have bigger rosters, so they balance a lot of the appearances of guys, and things are scheduled out. You go to the Midwest League the next year. You start off with Bowling Green. You only make seven appearances there, but... You give up one run in 10 innings. You strike out 18 and only walk one. Then you go to high A. You pitch 27 games there. You have a 2.85 over that time. Start again in high A in 17. Get bumped up to double A where you have a 2.22 ERA in 43 appearances. Spend all of 2018 in triple A where your ERA is barely above one. I mean, what got you to the point where you felt like you were the most dominant reliever in the Rays minor leagues because you were the closer for that 2018 Durham Bulls team. You had 14 saves and 15 opportunities, and you only walked 21 in 56 innings, and you struck out 75. I mean, you're a guy that is known as a strikeout pitcher. What did it take for you going through the minors to take your game to the next level? Listening to the resources you have at hand, I mean, there's always huge. I mean, just learning from the various coaches that – I was with throughout the way and teammates and all that comes into it and really makes you a better player, I I believe. And just taking in the different opinions and listening to different people, uh, I think really, really opens your mind and you're able to really understand yourself even more, I believe. And I think once I got to double A, I really started coming into my own, uh, really started figuring out out, like what made me a pitcher and it was it was an exciting time I, I feel like I threw the ball pretty well um, but I mean we that team was a fun team to play for and I enjoyed every second playing with them those guys it was a fun clubhouse and only it didn't end the way we wanted it to but it happens you know It always seems to me from the outside that Durham is always in the conversation for that International League title. Let's fast forward a little bit. July 5th or 6th, I'm not exactly sure based on the transaction date, but what was it like when your manager told you that you're headed to the big leagues? I mean, it was overwhelming. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, I mean, to know how hard that you worked and how hard, how much work you put into it, and it's it's something that you can't ever replicate again, really. What was that meeting like? Did uh, was it a surprise to you? Were you somewhat expecting it? Was it a little bit of in between? I'd say a little bit of in between. I mean, because you know, every guy, all the pitchers in Triple A are watching the big league game. Obviously, you'd seeing who pitches. It's a long game, or right now, or anything like that. And I think something happened to where I think the big league team went a few extra innings. So, I mean, some someone was getting called up. It just, you didn't know who. 
and I ended up not pitching that game. I think we got rained out or something. Um, we played, and we were in a rain delay, and I think like 11.30 at night rolls around, they bang the game, and our manager comes in, uh, and he's basically just telling us, hey, game's canceled, blah, 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 blah. And he was just like, oh, yeah, one more thing. Uh, I just got an announcement to make. Uh, I got a guy that uh, he's worked so hard and all this. And, and then he just finally tells it and team goes crazy and it's just a big celebration. It was awesome. That has to be the biggest thrill in the world. But an interesting development then because less than two weeks later, you're traded to the Texas Rangers. So you spend three-plus years with one organization. Actually, I'm doing math wrong. Four-plus years with one organization. And in the span of two weeks, you go from making your big league debut to moving on to another organization. What was that like when you were told that you were traded? I mean, it was definitely a surprise. Uh, I mean, obviously, no one is ever expecting they're going to be traded. So it's definitely a surprise, but... uh... I mean, again, I appreciate everything that the Rays did for me and taught me and helped me develop as a pitcher. And ever since I've been trading the Rangers, I was super excited to be there. Right when uh, John Daniels called me, we talked and had a great conversation and really, really made me uh, optimistic about my time coming up with the Rangers. And I've, I've loved every second with them. It's been an awesome ride, met some really cool people. Made some good friendships, for sure. We are here with Texas Rangers reliever Ian Jabot on MLB Morning Coffee. It's got to be pretty cool for you knowing now that you're playing for a team in your home state. I just have to feel like even though they're in the Dallas area and you grew up in the Houston area, it still has to be pretty cool that you're playing for a team in the state that you were born and raised. Absolutely. I mean, uh, my dad actually lives in Dallas now, so he was – he was even more excited that I got traded there because uh, he lives about 10 minutes from the stadium. It was pretty pretty convenient for him. But yeah, it was it was a cool it was cool getting traded to back in my home state for sure. That new stadium looks pretty cool. Have you gotten to see any uh, inside shots of it? I saw a couple of aerials of it. It looks like it's going to be unreal. Yeah, it, it looks beautiful. Uh, they've done an outstanding job. I got I got to go up in December. And we did a, like a little like construction worker Christmas lunch and signed some autographs and we got a sneak peek into the stadium and it looked looked phenomenal. So I have to ask this question, and this is coming from me having worked for a Brewers affiliate. You spent time with the Nashville Sounds this past year once you were traded to the Rangers organization. What is the Tim Dillard experience like? Oh, uh, Tim Dillard, that dude is. One of the best of the best. He's uh, that guy you can't get enough of. He's he's a fun dude to be around, but he's also a guy that you can learn so much from. He's been he's been in the game for a while, and it's just it's fun to talk to him and just talk talk life with him and see what he's been been doing. Uh, but he's he is a character. He's a great dude. One of the best in baseball. Did you have a chance to be in a Tim Dillard video? I have. I've gotten in two of them, actually. Two of them. I played. I played a good part. We did a Wayne's World scene. Um, that was that was a good one. 
and then he did like a little uh i think it was like mario national mario day or something and he he did a mario bros skit and i was just playing turtle just kind of more of a prop in that one you know, the one great thing about Tim Dillard is he's so self-deprecating. I think that they actually did a ceremony, correct me if I'm wrong, about him becoming the Nashville Sounds all-time strikeout leader. And the reason why that's relevant is that they were a Brewers affiliate for many years, so he spent a lot of time there when he was with the Brewers organization. Were you there when they did that ceremony? I was not there for that. Um, but, I mean, he, he the year he had last year was so big for – that team, I mean, he, I think he led the league in innings pitch almost, or it was damn near it. He was, un- he had an unbelievable year last year. <laughs> he pitched 153 innings last year, which is more remarkable considering the fact that 21 of them were starts and he had 12 appearances out of the bullpen. So this is a guy that effectively is just going to do whatever it takes to help the team win. In fact, he had more innings pitched last year than in his previous three seasons combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, about him. Uh, they were. I heard a story. I wasn't there for this, but uh, so I think it was a doubleheader or something, and I think the, the sounds were exhausted on pitching. And I think Tim had thrown like an inning the night before, and they're like, hey, Tim, do you think you can start, start the game today? We're just going to need like a couple from you. All right, sure. So he's warming up in the bullpen. How Tim's warming up all comes off like frantically and he's super fast. But he, I heard he, he flips the ball to the bullpen and says, enjoy your off day, boys. And then walks out there and throws like five no-hit innings. He's had an absolute through a gem. That's awesome. But that's who he was. He just wanted to help, help the squad with by doing whatever he could. That is a true team player if I have ever seen one. We're here with Ian Jabot, Rangers reliever on MLB Morning Coffee. Ian, I got to ask you because you've been a part of the rule now for two years. What is your opinion on minor league baseball's extra inning rule when you start with a runner on second base? And the reason I ask you this is that you're a closer or you were a closer for a lot of your time in the minors. And that's a rule that affects closers big time, especially if you're on the visiting team. What are your thoughts on the rule? Do you think it intend? Do you think the intent is good? Because there are a couple of different viewpoints that I look at it. Number one, they're trying to end games quicker. But number two, they're also trying to make it so that developmental teams, and this is mainly I think for like high A and below, don't go deep into their bullpens and use guys that organizations don't want throwing a hefty amount of innings at the lower levels. For sure, for sure. Uh, I can I can understand it at the lower levels, but I I really have a hard time seeing it being in the big leagues. I mean, I just don't think it's a, it's just the right way that you can win a baseball game. I think it was meant. That's not how it was meant to be. Um, but, yes, I can understand as a tool to limit pitches and, and limit innings. Um, and I agree with that. I mean, there's definitely organizations and guys that they don't want throwing a lot, which is totally fine. I mean, guys coming off injury, or yada, yada. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it is, it's tough losing a game like that. It really is. Um, 
I mean, it's tough losing a game in general, but when when you feel like that they almost didn't earn it when the runner was placed on, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. I think there was a game in Double A last year. I think it was a Texas League game, and I think that the Mariners affiliate, the Arkansas Travelers, I think they won a game while being no hit, and it was because of the extra inning rule that that happened. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing when you think about it. Nowhere else could that happen. So, Ian, right now you had a throwing program, you got ramped up, and then it got shut down. What do you have to do right now to keep yourself in shape and keep yourself ready to go if and when the season gets a jump start back because I'm reading in certain places that they would give everybody about like three weeks to get ready before they actually started playing games. So what are you doing right now to keep yourself ready? Are you just lifting a lot? Are you trying to throw a little bit? Are you working on any cardio things? I mean, is there anything in particular that the Rangers gave you to say, okay, while you're home, you got to be able to do X, Y, and Z so that you can be ready once we bring you back. It's more so the, we tell like the Rangers, I guess, what we have accessible right now, to be honest. And they, they help accommodate and like generate a workout plan for us. And I live next to a park, which is pretty lucky. So my buddy, that's a, uh, he's a college coach. So he's back home in Houston. He's, we've been throwing together. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, we, they give us a throwing program, uh, which I kind of, I stick towards generally i mean there's some days you feel good some days you feel bad and kind of listen to your body um but yeah you have a, I have a mound that i have access to which is great um but just only things really weight room weight room you don't really have access to um but they've, they've generated some like body weight workouts for us and it's been it's been good making do with we, what we can yeah, man, I can feel you there because in my little shoebox of a place here in San Francisco, all I've got is a medicine ball. So it's basically push-ups and a medicine ball. So, And I would I would order online more equipment, but I kind of got to watch the finances right now just because it's, it's affecting everybody economically. So while you do have some free time, I know you told me that you were out at a friend's ranch a couple of weekends ago. Uh, what are you doing to try and pass the time? Are you catching up on some TV shows? Are you trying to watch new movies? Are you trying to spend time with family while social distancing? Like, what is what is your go-to for for trying to pass this time? Yeah, I mean, I guess my girlfriend and I we've been watching a lot of shows. Um, we watched this new one on Amazon Prime called Hunters. Pretty good. I, I've I've enjoyed it. Pretty crazy show. Um, but yeah, I guess we've just, my girlfriend and I, we've been going on a lot of walks, live next to it in a neighborhood that's a nice, I have a lot of big trees and walk around there and pass some time, think about playing, playing I Spy or something. But yeah, we went to, uh, my buddy's ranch and I got to turkey hunt for the first time. Um, thankfully I played with him in high school, so I was able to play catch up there too. Um, but yeah, I got a turkey for the first time. And that was that was an adrenaline rush. So where I live, there's at least not in the city proper, but in a couple of areas on the outskirts, there are a couple of decent hilly areas, 
and I see wild turkeys running around and gobbling all the time. Like, how hard is it to to catch a turkey? Like, do they do they move pretty quickly if they know they're being hunted? Yeah, those uh, those guys are pretty quick. I mean, you gotta basically just propped up against a tree or in a little blind, and you gotta call them in within to get them within forty, fifty yards if you got a shotgun and. They've got really, really good eyesight, so you've got to be you're decked out in all camo. Um, but yeah, they, you just can't get spotted or else those things take off on you real quick. So I got to ask you because I did ask about shows. Tiger King, have you watched it? Are you going to watch it? Are you refusing to watch it? What are your thoughts on the whole thing if you have watched it? Oh, I've watched it. it is, I mean, it is wild. It is not what I was expecting, I will tell you that. Who do you feel like would be a good actor to play Joe Exotic if they were to do a Tiger King movie? Goodness. Because uh... I could see, like, an aged Drew Barrymore as Carol Baskin. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that you just nailed that. Oh, yeah, that's definitely... I can see that. Oh, my gosh. What about Danny McBride? Yeah, Danny McBride would be pretty funny. He would be real good, I'm sure. I feel I was like thinking, Tiger who plays King Joe is... Dirt? Uh, David Spade. Yeah, David Spade. That's right. I was drawing a blank on that. I feel like Danny McBride would be the perfect role because I feel like every role that you see Danny McBride in is this I don't give two bleeps about this type of deal, and I'm going to say whatever I want. And I'm like, that's 1,000% Joe Exotic. I guess the real question is, who you get to play Doc Antle? I mean, I kind of like John C. Riley. I think he would kind of be a pretty funny, serious guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, he could be a pretty funny, serious guy. The problem is, is every time I think of John C. Riley. I just think of Cal Norton Jr. from Talladega Nights, and then I also think of Dr. Steve Brule from his Adult Swim TV show, Check It Out, which I think could be uh, a funny character in itself within one of those movies. So, in any event, I think it's going to be a fascinating movie once it eventually does get made, and I think it will end up getting made. But I'll ask you, Ian... If there was ever going to be a movie made about your life, who would play you? Wow. Um, I don't know. I mean, easy answer is Brad Pitt, right? The easy answer is Brad Pitt. So are we going Moneyball Brad Pitt? Are we going Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Brad Pitt? Are we going Inglorious Bastards Brad Pitt? I don't know. See, I don't know if I want to take the easy way out of the thing. You know, another good actor that probably would do a good job of playing you is Chris Pine. I think Chris Pine could probably be a, a pretty good pretty good role for you. I could see that. I like it. Chris Pine would have to grow his hair out a little bit, though. He doesn't have the, the same type of hair that, that you do. Just a tad. Getting a little wild in this lockdown. Say that. Much much need of a haircut. Have you ever thought about doing anything, not to, to talk about Joe, have you ever think, thought about doing anything exotic 
with your hair? I mean, my buddy's always trying to get me to shave a mullet into my hair, but I mean, I'm already I'm close enough to it, but I just I can't bring myself to do it. What is one interesting fact, and then we will let you go because we've kept you for a good amount of time and we appreciate your time this morning, Ian. What is one fact about you that if people knew it, they'd be surprised? I'm a certified scuba diver. Wow, that's actually fantastic. So did you you scuba dive in the Gulf growing up? Because... That's your nearest big body of water to Houston. So did you can you scuba dive in the Gulf or do you have to go to like Galveston and uh and scuba dive over there? I always did it growing up. Uh my family we would always vacation in Mexico. It's such a short flight. So we would go down there and uh I guess my mom would just get me and my sister to do it and I guess my dad did it growing up and when he traveled around when he was younger. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, I love it. I love doing it. It's a, I've been on quite a few dives, I've done a night dive. That's pretty creepy, but it was, it was cool. What's the most intimidating animal that you've come face to face with while you've scuba dived? I mean, I kind of got chased down by a barracuda once. That wasn't good fun. I got my heart racing a little bit. Um, but I mean, I've seen sharks, uh, black tip. Reef sharks. Um, I would say those guys, but nothing too crazy. Well, hey, man, as long as you're here and you're safe and you're not eaten by a barracuda or a piranha or a shark, that's that's all that matters, man. That's all that matters. Ian Jabot, really appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks again for doing this, and uh, hopefully that you're able to stay safe, and we'll see you back on the mound pretty soon. Absolutely, Greg. Thank you for having me. Stay safe, stay healthy. Ian Jabot here on MLB Morning Coffee, Texas Rangers reliever. Thanks for joining us again today, folks, for another edition of Coffee Conversations. And as always, we'll catch you in the AM.